to Psalm 25 and remind ourselves of a verse that we saw last Lord's Day. Amen. Then we'll go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Psalm 25. In the 14th verse, the psalmist writes, The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him, and he will show them his covenant. Amen. What a blessed verse. Do you all hear it? Do you hear with understanding the secret of the Lord? That means the Lord has secrets. And the secret of the Lord is with them that fear him. If you fear God, he will, he already has shown you one of his secrets or several of them in regenerating you so that you would fear him. But he is going to show you his secrets that are hid from the rest of the world if you fear him. And he will show you his covenant. We are saved by a covenant. God made a covenant with himself. He performed all the terms and conditions necessary for that covenant to go into force. And so the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 9, by means of death, that covenant went into force because the testator died. God promised eternal life, and it was based upon him performing the condition of death in the place of us, his elect, and he did die for us, and it put that covenant into force. And he'll show us that. And he has shown us that so that I can say it, state it to you. But look at this verse. Don't forget it. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him. If you want to know secrets, and if you want to know more than others know, then you must fear God, and right. he will show you his secret and show you his covenant. Let's look now at 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. This Bible is not just some religious book. This Bible is the revelation of mysteries and the hidden wisdom of God kept secret from the foundation of the world. I asked a four-year-old this morning, where did everything come from? In our church, I would expect a four-year-old to know. And he said, God. Amen. Where are you, Adam? I asked him, where did everything come from? And he said, God. Well, do you know what that four-year-old just put to shame all the wisdom of this world? Amen. All we have to do is read. We understand. How long did it take? Six days and six nights. Right. Do you know what order it was created in? Yes. Do you know how man was made? Yep. How he found a woman? How they got married? Amen. All of it. Because the Bible tells us it's hidden wisdom. Because even if they were to read it, they don't understand it. And even if they were to read it, and even if they were, which they cannot, understand it, they would hate it. Because they hate God, and so would we, if it weren't for God's grace to change our hearts. Right. We come to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and my favorite verse on the whole subject of the, the mysteries of God's hidden wisdom is found in verse 7 of 1 Corinthians chapter 2 where the apostle speaks of his ministry, his purpose among the churches of Christ. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Even the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the world unto our glory. That is an incredible verse. Amen. God has hidden wisdom, and it's preached through the preaching of the cross. And it's a mystery when it's preached, because men don't see it. They don't understand it, and it is for our glory. Right. 
God has ordained things to for our glory before the world began, and it's revealed through the preaching of the gospel. I don't think you understand. I don't think I understand. Right. I said last Sunday, I, there's 1.2 billion Chinese. They don't understand anything. God's left their nation dark. There's a billion Indians. They don't understand anything. They have more cattle than any nation on earth, but they wouldn't dare kill any because it might be Uncle Stephen. And they're starved to death. And that includes bugs. Now, we are never going to do this to make fun of others unless we do it only for the glory of the grace of God. Because if it wasn't for the grace of God and we were born into one of those rice patties, we'd be bowing down before some Buddha as fast as the rest, maybe faster. That's right. Amen. But do you know what this Bible does for us? It cuts through all that fog where we're not worshiping bugs and we enjoy steak. And not only do we enjoy steak, but we don't offer our children up for child sacrifice, and our wives don't have to burn themselves on our funeral pyre. We are blessed abundantly. We know where the world came from. It didn't evolve. It didn't come to us through progressions. And we don't have a million deities that we have to memorize. We've only got one. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Amen. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. Amen. We know that. We've been taught that. We've been taught it right here, too. Amen. Because God said, I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel after those days. I will put my laws into their heart and I will write them in their mind and they shall know me. They shall not need to teach every man his brother and every man his neighbor saying, know the Lord. For they shall all know me from the least to the greatest. Because he's going to teach us internally. It's, it's, we're blessed abundantly. Right. And what are you discouraged about this morning? What are you discouraged about? The checkbook just ain't fat enough? The car just ain't nice enough? Your wife's a little overweight? You're a little overweight. What is it? It's got you plagued this morning. You had a bad air day. I, I really want us to get this. Look what he has done for us. Right. Why were we not born in a generation where we offered our children as child, child sacrifices? Right. Or, well, maybe we wouldn't have got to do that because we would have been the sacrifice of our parents to Molech. Right. What made the difference? It's the grace of God Amen. and Him revealing the mysteries of hidden wisdom. They do not know where the world came from. We do. Our four-year-olds do. Right. God. Who invited you to the party? God did. That's what I ask all my, my two little granddaughters. Who invited you to the party? Life. Who invited you into life? Who brought you? God did. We should know that. It's all of God and it's all of grace. Look at this. We speak the wisdom of God. God's wisdom, but it's in a mystery. Even the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the world unto our glory, and the greatest component of this is our eternal life. What we read about in Psalm 49 that no man can do for his brother, we have. 
and it was ordained before the world began. Titus chapter 1 verse 2 says, God that cannot lie promised eternal life before the world began. He promised it. I will give eternal life to all of these. And he wrote their names in the book of life, and he has performed his promise, and it was ordained for us. That means it was appointed and sure it was guaranteed for us. And he has told us about it. And no man can by any means redeem his brother. Any other man can look around, wise men die. Fools die. Brutes die. They're going to die. But we have eternal life promised to us. And it's all through the Lord Jesus Christ. This is preaching Christ and Him crucified because all of this universe exists for the glory of God's only begotten Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And they do not know about Him. And if we told them about Him, they would hate Him. It is only by the grace of God that we love Him. It is only by grace. I must ask with the Apostle Paul, what then? Are we better than they? No, in no wise. We have before proved both Jew and Gentile, Chinese and Indian, English and Filipino, that we are all under sin. Romans chapter 3. It is only by the grace of God that we see any of His wisdom. But oh, how much He has revealed to us. How much that there's one God? I'm glad I don't have to figure out Zeus, Jupiter, Apollos, and all the rest of those gods. Brahma, Vishnu, Rama, Hari Rama, and all the rest of those Hindu deities. You say, what's wrong with rock and roll music? My Sweet Lord, 1970, Precious Little George Harrison, his mind burned out on chemicals, having wasted months in India, going to the gurus for wisdom. As they sat there cross-legged, those effeminate little perverts, listening to these gurus of India, he comes back and he writes a song, My Sweet Lord, go listen to it sometimes, and hear him singing glory to Hari Rama in the background. My Sweet Lord, Hari Rama. Why have we been saved from that? Because God has been merciful toward us. Amen. Do we love him appropriately? What do I mean by mysteries? Would you children listen to this? Mysteries. What do we mean by a mystery? A mystery is something that somebody doesn't know about. If you know the secret, then you don't tell somebody else because you want it to be a mystery for them. Well, God has all the secrets. God knows everything he's ever purposed to do, will do, has done, or shall do in the future. He knows all the secrets and he reveals them whenever it pleases him. The first thing we mean is that God has secrets about what he's going to do for his people that he's purposed before he even made the world. He had secrets. That's the first thing. God knew everything he was going to do before he ever did the first thing. The Bible tells us that plainly. He did not create Adam and then was disappointed because Adam went and ate the fruit off the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God had great purposes all laid out for his great plan of redemption before he ever made Adam, before he ever let Satan into the Garden of Eden to tempt even Adam. The first thing we mean is all those secrets that God has, those are mysteries and they are the hidden wisdom of God. But we live in a blessed time and we have blessed benefits He's told us most of them. He's told us most of them. There's been a hundred billion people that have lived since Adam. 
I calculated it this past week, so don't, don't be wondering how I got it. I calculated it. But there's about 100 billion since, since Adam was created. About 100 billion people have lived. You say, well, there's 6 billion right now. Yeah, but you just go back a few years. Listen, when I was 10 years old, there were only three. It's exploding in the last few decades. There weren't that many people on the earth. There's about 100 billion in total. But anyway, taking that 100 billion, not very many people have known anything about the secrets of God. They don't even know there is a God. They're falling down and worshiping a totem pole. That's a tree that you've taken the limbs off and the leaves off and painted. And then you get down and you worship the totem pole. And we would do that if it wasn't for the grace of God. Very few have known there was a God and what his secrets were. And I know a secret. He's ordained glory for you and me before the world began. And this whole world is spinning its way through the universe. The sun is rising every day and setting every day. And people are living and dying and going out without hope. And we have the hope of eternal glory. A mystery or a secret that, like I'm speaking of this morning, are those things that God has purposed in his will and counsel that he is going to do. The other thing I mean by mysteries is that God has chosen to reveal more and more as time goes on. Adam and Eve knew nothing. It's going to be hard having babies. This man's going to rule over me, and I'm going to have to give him all my desires. It's going to be hard to get any produce out of the ground. Remember, the word about the seed of the woman was not given to Adam or Eve. Who was it given to? Satan was told what was going to happen to him. And it's, it's grown since then. Abraham was called the friend of God, but he only knew God as God Almighty. How did Moses know God? I am that I am. Did God speak to Moses face to face? Yes. Progressive revelation. Do you know God better than Moses? Far better. Far better. Moses never saw the Lord Jesus Christ, never read about him. We know him better. We know what the backsides of God look like better than Moses did, even though Moses was in the cliff of the rock and saw them. Because we know what his long-suffering and grace and mercy truly is and his forgiveness of sins. It's by the precious blood of his son, Jesus Christ. Amen. It's progressive revelation. So what I mean by the mysteries of hidden wisdom, I mean that God has shown more and more over time. And the last thing I mean is that it's, called, it's a mystery because the natural man cannot figure out anything spiritually. The natural man hates all truth. The natural man hates God. The natural man hates Christ. The natural man hates heaven. The natural man hates anything that's spiritual. When do we make a choice to be a natural man? In the Garden of Eden. God said, if you'll not eat the fruit off that tree, you'll live. You can have fellowship with me, and you'll you'll have life, and you'll have truth. Satan came along and lied to them. Do you want to lie? Do you want to lie? Do you want to die? And do you want to hate God? And we chose that. We chose to die, and we chose to believe lies, and we chose to hate God. And from that day, every heart of every man is totally corrupt. Totally corrupt means it thinks in reverse. When you tell a natural man the truth, he'll hate you for it and try to kill you. Go read the record of the apostles. 
You tell a natural man a lie, he'll love you for it and pay you. Do you know what Jesus said one time in John chapter 8 and verse 45? He said, you believe me not because I tell you the truth. Does that make sense to you? It doesn't make sense unless you realize what the natural man is and what we all are by nature. Jesus said, you believe me not because I tell you the truth. If you were to tell a lie, you'd get a much bigger crowd. Robert Schuler is not preaching to 90 people this morning. And he's telling all those sheep how beautiful and pretty they are that are all going to be thrown in the grave. It's incredible. Does God have mysteries? You bet he does. Who's known the mind of the Lord? I started off with that this morning. First words out of my mouth were Romans 11, 33 through 36. Does God have mysteries? Yes, he does. Mysteries, those secrets of God's and God's mysteries are the things that he has purposed in his own mind and in the counsel of his eternal will. And he's got lots of them. Clearly, the counsel of God's own will is kept secret from men and angels unless he chooses to reveal it. He's got lots of secrets. We have a secret religion. In the sense that our religion is based on the secrets of God's eternal counsel that he reveals to men. Let me say that again, in case anyone is confused by what I just said. We have a secret religion. What we mean by those words are not that we have little secrets, but that God has secrets that he reveals to us through his word, his spirit, and his ministers, so that we might know the workings of his eternal counsel. Right. Look at Deuteronomy 29, 29. Turn to Deuteronomy 29. We just went to 1 Corinthians 2. The most extensive section of the Bible dealing with the mysteries of God is 1 Corinthians 1, verses 17, through 1 Corinthians 4, verse 3. That whole section dealt with the hidden wisdom of God, and I tried to preach it to you last Lord's Day because it is the most extensive passage in the Bible. Today we're going to look at some others. Deuteronomy 29, 29, The secret things belong unto the Lord our God. Does God have secret things? Amen. Here it is. Does God have mysteries? Right here it says it. he does. The secret things belong unto the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong unto us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. Before God reveals those things to, our, to us and to our children, what are they? Secrets. They're secrets. Once they're revealed, they're no longer secrets because they're revealed. And that's what the Bible is. It's a revelation of God's secrets for us to do them with our children. We have a treasure. Amen. This Bible is just not a religious book. Because you can find it at the Greenville County Library, it probably won't be there long, but it's, I think it's there now. They may have a copy or two. They'll take it away. This book is a treasure. Do you know why? Because it's God telling us His secrets. Right. And those secrets are the hidden wisdom of God that he ordained before the world began for our glory. That is incredible. Amen. Words just fail. The God of heaven, the creator God, has written a book disclosing the secret workings of his mind and his eternal counsel and of all the things that he wants to give us. Things so great that I cannot see, nor ear can hear, nor the imagination can even conceive. That's the Bible. And once they're revealed, 
It's things for us to be thankful for, great and precious promises. It's things for us to do to please this being that has loved us so much. That's the Bible. God definitely has mysteries. What does a man know at birth? Nothing. Nothing. What does a man know at death? Nothing. Where's the, where is the knowledge of the universe? I mean, if a man lives to be 80 years old and he's very smart and he goes to school all his life, you know, the modern idea of a professional student, he goes to school all his life, what does he know when he dies that he didn't know when he was born? Nothing. He still doesn't know where he came from. He still doesn't know where he's going. He still doesn't know why he ever lived. Now, now you want to tell me he knows something? He doesn't know anything. Where is the knowledge of the universe? It's in the eternal counsel of God. It's the hidden wisdom that God has ordained before the world began for our glory. Their wisdom is nothing. It amounts to a hill of beans. They can't answer any question. It's worse than a hill of beans. I was very polite. I'm mellow at 44. Very polite. What is the origin of the earth? We know that it was six literal days. God knows it. The angels know it. And we know it. But man in all of his wisdom doesn't know it. Where do we come from in man's wisdom? When we get them all together and we put them in fancy buildings that we pay for with our tax dollars and they all sit down and read big, thick books and they wear great, big, thick lenses on their eyes and they waste all their time in a classroom, what do they come up with? We came from monkeys. Well, peel them a banana. It's ridiculous. And if it weren't for the grace of God, we'd be right there with them. But God has told us. And you know, I love verses like Hebrews 11.3. It says, through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Everything was made out of nothing. And I understand that by faith. Hebrews 11.3. And you don't have to go to school to learn that. You can know that at four. And when God gives you faith, you can know it a little bit better. It's precious. These are the mysteries of God, and he's revealed them to us. But man, in all of his wisdom, does not know it. All All of men in the last 200 years, with all of the literacy, all of the education, all of the institutions of higher learning, all of the research labs, all of the testing... All of the experimentation, documentation, computerization, all the information explosion, all of the learning because they are ever learning, all of that were reduced to peeling a banana because it is hidden wisdom. The wisdom of this world cannot figure out anything, let alone Jesus Christ. And you put Jesus Christ before those people and they'd crucify him just as fast today as they did 2,000 years ago. And guess who's going to be beside him? It won't be thieves. It'll be you for talking about him. God has secrets. Genesis chapter 18, God had a secret. I'm going to burn up Sodom and Gomorrah because I hate Sodomites. I'm going to burn up Sodom and Gomorrah. And he told a secret. You can, you can read about him talking with himself in Genesis chapter 18. I'm going to tell Abraham. Because Abraham's my friend. And I know that Abraham's a good man and he's going to command his household to keep the way of the Lord. But I'm going to tell Abraham what I'm going to do. And we have that great exchange between Abraham and God where Abraham dickers God down to 
a few righteous souls for the city of Sodom. And he wasn't able to find them. So Sodom burned. But God was still merciful, wasn't he? And took Lot and his family out of that city. You go to the book of Daniel. Were there any secrets revealed to Daniel in the book of Daniel? One, two, ten, fifty? What kind of secrets? Little tiny things that aren't very important? Or was Daniel told the empires of the world that were coming and the order and how long they would last and a little bit of the features of those empires? Was he told? Was, isn't Daniel exciting to read? The greatest kings on the earth are just sitting there with their mouths hanging open as Daniel stands there and says, I have a secret for you, O King Nebuchadnezzar. You sure you want to hear it? Yes, Daniel. You're going to be a beast for seven years. You're going to crawl around and eat grass for seven years. Now, that was a secret. Did it come to pass on the most powerful man on this earth? Does, did God know that before he ever created Adam? Yes, he did. And he revealed it to Daniel ahead of time. And Daniel, when he got done, Daniel said, King, Oh, King Nebuchadnezzar, do you think you might be able to break off your sins in righteousness that there could be a lengthening of your tranquility? It's kind of tranquil to be human. That was all based on, on secrets. And you read the book of Daniel, it's an incredible secret. There's a 70-year prophecy there that takes us right into the crucifixion of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's the Roman Empire. There's the papacy of Rome. The little horn, the 11th horn that grew out of the Roman Empire. We can all see it now plainly. Right. We see a four-headed leopard with four wings. And we know it's the Greek Empire. And we know that the leopard represents Alexander the Great because there's never been a conqueror that could conquer so fast. And he died in the prime of life, and there was no male heir with his last name to put on the throne, so he had to divide it to his four generals. That's why there were four wings and four heads. We see it all because God reveals secrets. And if you were to go to the book of Daniel, which I'm not taking the time, I'm just telling you, do you know how many times that's said in the book of Daniel? Many times. Right. Where God, where Daniel would tell the king, listen, it is not within me, but there is a God in heaven, and he reveals secrets to me. Amen. He gives God all the glory. And brethren, we have them. Do you know how, do you know how many people can't get through the book of Daniel without getting confused? The little horn. No clue. You would not believe what they do with the little horn. They'll make the little horn Antiochus Epiphanes, which isn't even of the Roman Empire. He's a king of the Greek Empire that came before him. They got the wrong beast. The horn's growing out of the fourth beast, and they've got it back as part of the third beast. I mean, it's ridiculous. God has revealed things to us. And we love his word. Amen. And we need to love it. And you need to pray for your pastor. Amen. Lord, open his eyes that he might behold wondrous things out of your law. It's incredible what we have in this book. Did you know that Cyrus was told that he was going to come and defeat Babylon 150 years before he was born? Amen. Do you know that there's chapters in the book of Isaiah about Cyrus the Persian? Chapters. God calls him my servant and calls him by name. God named Cyrus in the book of Isaiah before Cyrus was ever born. And when he defeated the Babylonian Empire and sat on that throne, there's Daniel. I've known about you for a while, sir. Let me read you a couple chapters out of the book of Isaiah. See this scroll right here? See, we have records that this is 150 years old. Let me tell you a little bit about yourself. Is this how you took the city of Babylon? 
And there's God describing his engineers diverting the river Euphrates that flowed through the city of Babylon so that the armies could march under the walls to take the city of Babylon. Amen. God reveals secrets. He called Cyrus his servant. Do you know what Cyrus said? Every Jew that is in my empire that wants to go back and rebuild their nation and rebuild their city and rebuild their temple, go. I'll help you pay for it. Amen. God called that his servant. But that was all revealed in advance. I'm just giving you a few illustrations of carnal mysteries. Look at Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. The Bible is filled with mysteries. Did you know that you could have easily figured out when Jesus Christ was going to be revealed to Israel from the 70 weeks prophecy? It had an obvious starting point whenever Cyrus said, rebuild the city. Right. 490 years started to count. And it was going to be 69 of those 70 weeks until Messiah the Prince. Right. 483 years. I wonder what Simeon and Anna were doing in the temple. Impatiently waiting for the coming of Christ. Mm -hmm. Well, they also had a little message here, didn't they? God had told Simeon, you're not going to have to die until you've seen my Christ. Matthew chapter 13, I want to jump all the way to verses 34 and 35. All these things spake Jesus unto the multitude in parables. Matthew 13, 34. All these things spake Jesus unto the multitude in parables. And without a parable spake he not unto them that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things which have been kept secret from the foundation of the world. God kept things secret from the foundation of the world, and when he did reveal them through Jesus Christ, Jesus spoke in parables, which are very difficult to understand. They are not clear speaking, so that when he was in private, he could tell his apostles what he meant. Because he said to you, it is given to know the mysteries of the... You want to know where that came from? Okay, because I want you to get all these verses, and I want you to hear them so many times, you won't forget them. Verse 11, same chapter. Matthew 13, verse 11. He answered and said unto them, to his apostles, Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. And those were his people, Israel. But it was only given to the apostles the elect within the nation of Israel. It is not given to them to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to you it is given. Do you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross to save his people from their sins? Amen. Do you believe that? Then you know the mystery. They did not know that. Do you know what they did? They crucified the Lord of glory. They did not know that mystery. Look at Romans chapter 16. Romans chapter 16. What I want to do this morning is to show you how many mysteries there are. Well, how the, how, how the Bible says that God has kept so much back and has now revealed it and how much we have to be thankful for that we're in the New Testament, Amen. that we've heard the gospel, that we have a pastor, that we have a church, that we have the word of God, that we have an understanding and a love for it. It's It's, it's incredible. If I didn't have faith, I'd just flat out tell you it's too good to be true. It cannot be true. It's too good, and I'd walk right out the door. I'm serious. A hundred billion people, and a few get to know the truth. 
and to have the God of heaven wrote a book that told all the secret workings of his eternal counsel? That's incredible. Romans chapter 16, verse 25. Here, look at Paul close up the book of Romans. Notice that he said amen in verse 24. Doesn't Paul always close his epistles with the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all? Amen. Where did he close his epistle? Verse 24. You want to read a real P.S.? Watch this. Now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret since the world began, but now is made manifest and by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment of the everlasting God, made known to all nations for the obedience of faith. To God only wise, be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. If you don't get goosebumps from that P.S., you've got problems. That is an incredible P.S. on an epistle. Notice what it says in there. The power of God in the first part of verse 25, according to the gospel and preaching of Jesus Christ, the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began. The promise of eternal life through Jesus Christ was kept secret from the foundation of the world, but it's now being made manifest. See verse 26? But now is made manifest. Manifest is clear or plain, but now it's being made clear and plain, and how? By the scriptures of the prophets. Well, now, if it was written a long time ago by the prophets, how could it have been a secret? Because they didn't know what they were writing. But now it's made manifest by the scriptures of the prophets according to the commandment of the everlasting God. The everlasting God has given a commandment, open up my mysteries. And who are they that open up the the, the mysteries? His ministers of the New Testament. He has made us able ministers of the New Testament so that a man ought to account of God's ministers of the New Testament as the ministers of God, the ministers of Christ, and listen to this, stewards of the mysteries of God. 1 Corinthians 4.1 According to the everlasting God made known to all nations for the obedience of faith. What do we do? What do you think my bottom line is going to be before you get away from me tonight? What, what do we know? What do we preach about the mysteries for? What do we think about this for? For the obedience of faith. Right. I'm just hoping and praying that hearing about these mysteries and thinking of what God has done for us, it might propel us to obey Him better. Right. To God only wise. Do you know what that means? There isn't any here without Him. Amen. To God only wise. Be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Wow. That is so precious. Does man have a right to the truth? No. Wait a minute. Didn't God create all men equal? We all have an equal right to the truth? No. Don't we have a right to the truth? Is truth a right or is truth a privilege? Privilege. What would you do to somebody that chose lies over truth? If somebody, what, God's very fair. If you like lies, guess what he'll give you? Lies. Man is a creature. He deserves nothing. He is the clay in the hands of the potter. Man is a rebel. Man chose lies and death over truth and life. Man died in Eden. Man didn't die intellectually. He still has a mind. He can still accumulate facts. 
He can still corrupt them and, and fit them together so that they don't make sense. But he's still got an intellect. But he cannot figure out God. And he cannot figure out spiritual things. And worse than that, his heart is corrupt. He hates truth. He hates God. He hates spiritual things. That is the natural man. Men aren't here this morning, not because they're busy, but because they hate God. Because they hate truth. Because they hate spiritual things. That's what happened when we died in the Garden of Eden. The intellectual ability of man did not die. His heart toward God died, so that instead of there being a friendly relationship with God, one of willing submission to Him and cheerful enjoyment of His presence, there was hateful animosity, resentment, and rebellion. And it's been that way ever since. God is a God of truth. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth. But that doesn't mean he owes man the truth. They had the truth in the Garden of Eden, and they rejected it and stomped it into the ground and sold it out to Satan for a piece of fruit. So the man is totally corrupt toward God. Turn to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. Does man have a right to truth? Man doesn't have rights. Creatures don't have rights. Creatures have privileges. Creatures have blessings. Creatures have obligations and and responsibilities, but they don't have rights. Creatures don't have rights. We have responsibilities. We live in a sick society that likes to talk about rights. We have responsibilities. And if men would fulfill their responsibilities, this nation would be a much better place to live. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you. And that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for all men have not faith. Paul prays that he wants his preaching to be as effective as it possibly can be, but he doesn't pray for men without faith to be converted. He prays to be delivered from men that don't have faith, because men without faith are wicked and unreasonable men. They would say that we are unreasonable because we can't prove creation in a laboratory. Well, we would respond by saying they cannot prove evolution in a laboratory, and we have a letter from God telling us how he did it. And they'd say, well, that just doesn't make any sense to me. And we say, we knew that before we started this discussion because we have faith and you don't. God gave us faith so that we would recognize, understand, and believe his word. You've been cut out. Amen. Because men without faith are wicked and unreasonable. We are not unreasonable. We have been given something within us We have been given a book that can read what God has revealed to us, and it all makes perfectly good sense. And without faith, it doesn't make any sense at all. And so men that don't have faith, you certainly don't try to preach to them. And this is a good example, this is a good lesson for all of you, whenever you run into somebody that you want to talk about the things of God to. If they don't have faith, forget it. We do not ever try to debate the existence of God. If someone doesn't believe there's a God, you can write him off before your first sentence comes out of your mouth. We, Paul never did that. 
Can you find me one example of anybody ever talking to somebody in the Bible that didn't believe there was a God? That's the first element of faith. But without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. If you don't believe that there's a God, you don't have any faith at all. You don't have anything at all. And so there's no message for them except, Lord, save me from them. Do men have a right to the truth? No, they don't. They're unreasonable and wicked. They do not have a right to the truth. But they come up with things that they think are truth. They come up with science, which the Bible would say is this. 1 Corinthians, 1 Timothy 6 and verse 20. Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust. What was committed to Timothy's trust? The mysteries of the hidden wisdom of God. Romans 16, 25 through 27 that I read a few minutes ago. Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust, avoiding profane and vain babblings. What's a profane and vain babbling? We came from monkeys. What's another profane and vain babbling? That the word of God is like any other book, and so textual criticism ought to be used to find what God really meant to say. Those are two examples of modern science that are profane and vain babblings, and Paul goes on to say, and oppositions of science, falsely so-called. Evolution is not a science. It's a greater matter of faith and believing in creation. It's just faith in the devil, and faith in man, and faith in monkeys and amoebas and explosions that they could possibly bring order out of chaos. I mean, it's just ridiculous. But they have to believe it because they've never seen it and they can't prove it. And it is certainly an idea of their own hallucination. Men will prefer fables to the truth. That's a warning that we were given about the last days. They're not going to endure sound doctrine. They don't want to hear it. It's just too much. Give me some fables. They're like Isaiah 30 where it says, Take away from us right things and give us smooth things. Get, the, get God away from before us. We don't want to hear any more about him. The more man learns, the less he knows ever learning and never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. Did you know what 200 years ago if you'd have gone around if you'd have gone around Europe as dark as it was 400 years ago, 600 years ago, 800 years ago, you'd have gone around Europe in what was known as the dark ages and said that man came from monkeys, they'd have strung you up. Man is ever learning, but he's getting stupider in his hallucinations. More foolish, more ignorant to think that we came from some Big Bang or other idea of man 50 trillion years ago by some evolutionary process. The more he tries to learn with a corrupt heart, he can't. His heart is corrupt. His heart, whenever it encounters anything that is true, his heart, whenever it encounters anything that has to do with God, automatically rejects it, must reject it. And that's why we have laws in our nation that calls itself a godly or a Christian nation in certain respects, we have laws that God cannot be mentioned in our institutions. Because man revolts at the thought of God. He rejects him and anything to do with him. And so there man is. He's got computers now. He can store all this data, but he's got a heart that is corrupt, that whenever it encounters truth, has to get rid of it, automatically rejects it. The natural man cannot except truth. Amen. The fear of the Lord and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. You cannot have any way. You can't even get started down the path of wisdom without fearing the Lord and without knowing the holy God. So there they are with the corrupt heart 
and throwing away the premises, the basis, the foundation for wisdom, they can never find any. So they're ever learning and never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. Does man have a right to truth? In Isaiah chapter 44, verses 9 through 20, describes that tree. A man cuts a tree down, he takes a third, he cooks his food, he takes a third, he warms himself, and the last third, hey, let's paint it. And then he worships it and he falls down and he says, save me. Now the Lord says, he's deceived with ashes. If you go read Isaiah 44, 9 through 20, is hilarious. It's God mocking idol makers. This man's heart is deceived with ashes because he's trusting in something that can be burned up in a few minutes. Right. And the Lord says he has a lie in his right hand and he can't let go of it. And that's where you and I would be if it wasn't for the grace of God. A lie in his right hand and right. he can't let go of it. Is that a horrible condition? Amen. To, 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 to cut up a tree into thirds, cook your food with a third, warm yourself with a third, and then call the, the last third your God, and to fall down and worship it. Is that a, is that a pitiful lie? You've you got to read Isaiah 44. I don't have time. God says that is a lie in your right hand, and you can't let go. You can't let go. That's man. They cannot see any of God's mysteries. Does God hide truth? Amen. Do you remember the story of Ahab, king of Israel? Most people don't know this story because it's not preached very often. I haven't seen this reference in the end zone of a football game. 1 Kings chapter 22, verses 1 through 40. Ahab was a wicked king. He sold himself to do evil like no king before him. God wanted to kill Ahab in battle. Do you know what heaven looked like? God sitting on his throne. God said, who will get Ahab out to battle for me? An angel raised his hand and said, I'll be a lying spirit. Amen. I will go and be a lying spirit to his prophets to get him out there. God said, I like that idea. That's a great idea. I'm going to bless it. Go do it. And so then we can read about these prophets telling Ahab, don't worry, king. Go to battle because you're going to, win. You're going to come home today. It's going to be a glorious victory. And it's a long story, 1 Kings chapter 22, but the whole point of it right now is, the point is, God causes men to believe lies when they want to. God leaves men up to lies when they reject his truth, because Ahab had a true prophet of God. Do you know why Ahab wouldn't believe the true prophet of God? Be, because he speaks the truth, and Ahab said about him, he never says anything good about me. That's why people don't go to churches like this, because there's not enough good said about them. Because when we look in the Bible, there's not a whole lot of good said about us. Amen. It's, about, it's about how evil we are, how much we need a Savior, and how much we ought to be doing for Him. Right, yeah. But they don't like to hear that. Ahab said, I will not listen to that prophet, because he never says anything good about me. And so... That prophet lied to Ahab. God's prophet lied to Ahab and said, you're going to be successful today. And then Ahab said, see, now he's lying to me. Well, now, wait a minute. He never says anything good about me. So the prophet tells him, you're going to be successful today. Then he calls him a liar. Now, how do you please a person like that? You just give him some more lies. First Kings 22, it's excellent reading. It's great for family devotions. 1 Kings 22, God sent a lying spirit to get Ahab out to battle. Ahab's out to battle. 
one of the enemy flings an arrow at a venture into the air, and it comes down right in a crack of his armor and kills Ahab. Amen. That's 1 Kings 22. Right. Pharaoh. Did God, what did God do to Pharaoh? The words that the Bible uses are he hardened his heart, that he followed Israel into the Red Sea. What would you have done after ten plagues in the land of Israel, in the land of Egypt, and you were in a chariot, and there was water higher than the World Trade Center on both sides of you? What would you have done? I think I'd have gone home. But if it wasn't for the grace of God, guess what we would have done? Giddy up! Right down into the Red Sea. God hardened his heart. Why? Because Pharaoh had this opportunity. Let my people go. And he said, who is the Lord? Ooh, you don't say things like that. When you say things like that, you're saying, I, I like lies better than truth, and so that's what Pharaoh got. That's just one of so many, my brethren. Right. Look at Second Thessalonians, and if someone thinks that's the Old Testament that I'm talking about, I want to tell you something about the God that we worship. There's only one, and he never changes. Amen. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Here we're talking about that horrible man of sin, the son of perdition, the mystery of iniquity. But we know the mystery, don't we? Amen. Right. But he's called the mystery of iniquity. But he's not a mystery to us. He was called a mystery there because Paul had to be very careful circulating epistles in the Roman Empire, talking about the Roman Caesars being taken away. So he did it in a disguised way that all the saints for 1,800 years have understood. It's not till this last year, the last few generations with all this learning, have men missed the truth. I'm serious. A hundred years ago, Encyclopedia Britannica knew who the man of sin was. Look up Antichrist, 1913 edition, Encyclopedia Britannica. It'll tell you universally understood to be the popes of Rome. Amen. Man of sin, 2 Thessalonians 2. Everyone knew that. No one knows it now. Why? Too many degrees, too much education, and they got computers. Amen. All you need is 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and Daniel chapter 7. It's figured out very easily. Amen. But I want, what, what we're here for is, does God hide truth from men? Look, the mystery of iniquity is mentioned in verse 7. But let's come down to verse 9. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish. Notice, incredible deceivableness right. with power and signs and lying wonders because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. Now, when I say, does God send lies to people, most little people today who are trained in Sunday school would raise their little hands and say, no, 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 God would never do that. God would never send a lie to anyone. Why do they think that's so horrible when our first parents chose a lie over the truth in the Garden of Eden? Men want lies. If the government comes out and tells them a lie, guess what? They jump up and down and clap their hands. Life's going to get better because they just lied to us. Every, they love a lie. Yep. Look at the last part of verse 10. Because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. They did not love the truth when they did hear it. For this cause God shall send them strong delusion 
that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Now, those verses you will not find on a big poster in an NBA game. But look at the, look at the horror of those verses to the natural man who rejects truth. God will send them strong delusion that they'll believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believed not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. And do you know what we're talking about? We are talking about so-called Christians who fell under the influence of the popes of Rome. Because the little bit of Bible that they did have, they rejected it and just sat there like stooges and let the priest read to them in Latin and tell them that that little cracker was God. Does God hide truth? You, you better believe it, he hides truth. Now come back to Matthew chapter 13. We're almost done for this morning. I didn't get nearly as far as I wanted to. It's obvious. Matthew chapter 13. Men do not have a right to truth. God doesn't give them truth. God hides the truth. That's why it's called a mystery. It's the mystery of hidden wisdom. It's hidden. It's been kept secret since the foundation of the world. Right. And he just reveals bits of it here and there. But in the New Testament, he's opened it up and given it to his saints. But again, I'll remind you, when the Apostle Paul traveled around Asia, where did he go when he'd go to a city? Never forget it. When he went to a city, he went to the synagogue. Amen. And only to the synagogue, and always to the synagogue, because that was his manner. And if he went to the synagogue and they said they're out praying today by the riverside, then he went to the riverside. Otherwise, he was at the synagogue because he only had a message for those that feared God. Because if you don't fear God, you don't have anything to do with him because his secret is with them that fear him. Matthew 13, Jesus spoke in parables. Let me remind you of how thoroughly he spoke in parables. Look at verse 34 again. We've read it once earlier today. Let's read it again. All these things spake Jesus unto the multitude in parables. And without a parable spake he not unto them. He had a huge multitude. And Jesus Christ, instead of making it easy for the huge multitude to understand, he spoke to them in parables. A parable is a difficult thing to understand. It's a simile, it's a metaphor, it's an allegory, it's a story that you've got to somehow look at the events of the story and figure out the lesson that's being conveyed. The disciples understood that parables weren't easy to understand because they couldn't understand the parables of Jesus until he explained them to them. Right. We come to verse 10, Matthew 13, 10. Jesus has just given a parable in verses 3 through 9. Notice what he says in verse 9, though. That's a little clue right there. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. He was only speaking to those with ears to hear. Those are his elect, that he's opened their ears so that they can hear. But the disciples came to him in verse 10 and said, Why speakest thou unto them in parables? Lord, look at this crowd we've got. Why are you speaking to them in parables? Here's the perfect opportunity for Jesus to say, I made a mistake. Let's do this over again, and I'll tell them plainly. I'll tell them that the sower that took the seed was the preacher bearing the gospel. Did he do that? No. He said to them in verse 11, Because... It is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. And brethren, that you know the parable of the sower is because God has revealed a mystery of the kingdom of heaven to you. Amen. Verse 12, For whosoever hath, to him shall be given, and he shall have more abundance. But whosoever hath not, from him shall be taken away even that he hath. 
Now, if he hath not, how do you take away something that he has? You can only take away what he thinks he has, which is the way that it's worded in the other Gospels. Therefore, verse 13, speak out of them in parables because they seeing, see not, hearing they hear not, neither do they understand. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which saith, by hearing ye shall hear and shall not understand, and seeing ye shall see and shall not perceive. For this people's heart is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes have they closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and should understand with their heart and should be converted, and I should heal them, but I'm going to make sure that they do not see, hear, or understand so that I will not convert them. I am going to leave them in darkness by speaking to them in parables. Do you all understand Amen. these verses? But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For verily I say unto you that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see those things which ye see and have not seen them, and to hear those things which ye hear and have not heard them. Amen. Blessed. We have a blessing, brethren. Right. We have a blessing that we can read and that we can understand the word of God. God does not play around with his truth. You don't like truth? He'll give you all the lies that you can stomach. You play around with him at all, you'll end up being a Mormon. You play around with him at all, you'll end up being a Catholic. Thinking that it's on an altar... That little wafer turns into God, body, blood, soul, and divinity. God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. It is commonly said, and we say this many times, and it's been taught before, but I want you to know that. In Sunday school, in the Sunday schools of this country, a parable is defined this way. It's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning to make it easy for the common people to understand. That is the exact opposite of the truth. The truth is, the disciples understood it, and Jesus understood it. I am speaking in parables so that they cannot understand. They have corrupted everything they can about the Word of God. They do not want a God or a Savior that is so sovereign and just in his dealings with men that he would hide the truth. And he has always hid the truth. Amen. He's always hid the truth. <coughs> Jesus didn't speak in secret. Pilate, when, he was, when Jesus was being tried by Pilate, Pilate was asking him some questions, and Jesus said, everything I ever said, I didn't say it in secret. I said it openly. Does that mean he was revealing the truth to everyone? No, because no, he spoke in parables so that though he was speaking openly, no one could understand except his disciples when he told them in private. When his disciples would say to him by revelation from heaven, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God, what would Jesus say to them? Tell no man. Tell no man. When Jesus would tell them, I'm going to go to Jerusalem, and I'm going to be persecuted there and crucified, and I'll rise again the third day, tell no man. Tell no man. Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. Look at verse 25. Everyone likes to quote verses 28 through 30. If you go to a Christian bookstore in this town, you can find lots of bracelets, T-shirts, wall plaques, and hangings with verses 28 through 30, but I don't know why they don't like verses 25 through 27. Because right. I get just as excited about 25 through 27. At that time, Jesus answered and said, verse 25 of Matthew 11, I thank thee, O Father... Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid 
these things from the wise and prudent, and hast revealed them unto babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. God revealed his secret wisdom, his hidden wisdom, his mysteries, to apostles that were fishermen, that were publicans. The first four were fishermen. He revealed his mysteries to fishermen, while all these learned doctors of the law, with education as their primary passion in life, and reading and study, knew nothing, and it was hid from them. They ended up crucifying the Lord Jesus. They were so darkened to the person of Jesus Christ, they crucified him. And these fishermen, who basically had a vocabulary about nets and gills, became the preachers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. And you know what Jesus said? I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hid these things from the wise and prudent and revealed them unto babes, fishermen like us. All things are delivered unto me of my Father, and no man knoweth the Son but the Father. Neither knoweth any man the Father, save the Son, and he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. No man can know God unless Jesus Christ reveals God to him. Amen. And therefore all men that do not know God do not know God because he is hid from them by the sovereign Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ would say in John chapter 6 in a lengthy passage, No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him. He said it twice, John 6, 44, John 6, 67, 63. All those verses in there are the fact that the Jews could not come to Christ and believe on him because God had not drawn them. God does hide the truth from men. I read in Ezekiel chapter 14, for those of you that want to look it up, it'll be in the outline. It's, it's now on the tapes by my words. Ezekiel 14, if a man comes to a prophet of God, with a stumbling block of iniquity or an idol already set up in his heart, something that he prefers in his heart, when he comes to the prophet of God, God said, I myself will answer that man because I will put a lie into that prophet and deceive that prophet so that that man ends up being deceived. Right. If, you don't, if we do not come to God his way, which is in humility and submission to the word of God without idols, if we do not do it his way, he will blind us and deceive us. And that's fair. He's given us too much. That's fair to me. It sounds fair. With, with all that he's given us, we should love it so much and want to obey it with all of our hearts. That's all for this morning. May God bless the preaching of his word. Tonight, we'll look at what the mysteries actually are and how they were communicated to us by his spirit and his ministers and his word. May Jesus Christ be praised.